Chapters 1 and 2 of The Life and Doctrine of St. Catherine of Genoa. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Recording by Anne Boulay. Life and Doctrine of St. Catherine of Genoa. Chapters 1 and 2. Chapter 1. Catherine was born at Genoa in the year 1447. Her parents, Jacobo Fieschi and Francesca di Negro, daughter of Sigismund, Marquis di Negro, were both of illustrious and noble birth. On account of his merits, her father, descendant of Robert, brother of Pope Innocent IV, who was uncle of another pontiff, Adrian V, was created viceroy of Naples, under King Regnier, in which office he remained until his death. Although of very noble parentage, and very delicate and beautiful in person, yet from her earliest years, she despised the pride of birth and abhorred luxury, so that when only about eight years of age, she was inspired with the desire to do penance, and beginning to dislike the soft indulgence of her bed, she laid herself down humbly to sleep on straw, with a block of hard wood under her head, in the place of pillows of down. She had in her chamber that image of our Lord, which is commonly called La Pieta, and whenever she entered there and raised her eyes to it, a violent pain seized her whole frame, and caused by her grief and love at the thought of what our Lord had suffered for love of us. She led a very simple life, seldom speaking with anyone, very obedient to her parents, well skilled in the way of the divine precepts, and zealous in the practice of the virtues. At the age of twelve, God in his grace bestowed on her the gift of prayer, and a wonderful communion with our Lord, which enkindled within her a new flame of deep love, together with a lively sense of the sufferings he endured in his holy passion, with many other good inclinations for the things of God. At the age of thirteen, she was inspired with a desire for the religious life, and immediately communicated this inspiration to her spiritual father, who was also confessor to the devout convent of Our Lady of Grace, in which she desired to become a nun, together with her pious sister, Limbania. She earnestly begged the father to make known her holy desire to the superiors of the convent above mentioned, and urged that they would deign to receive her into their company. When this prudent spiritual father saw and heard such love for religion, in one of so tender and delicate age, he began to represent to her the austerities of religious life, the innumerable temptations of the enemy, the delicacy of her body, and many other things, to all of which Catherine answered with so much prudence and zeal, that the father was astonished, for her replies did not appear to him human, but supernatural and divine, and he therefore promised her that he would lay the matter before the superiors, which he did on the following day, at the same time communicating to them the prudent, remarkable answers of his spiritual daughter to his disclosures concerning the temptations and austerities of the religious life. After taking his proposal into deliberate consideration, the superiors of the convent replied that they were not accustomed to receive among them girls of so tender an age. To this the father made answer that judgment and devotion not only supplied the want of age, but were better than years. Still, they judged it inexpedient to receive her as it was contrary to their custom, 
which decision greatly afflicted the young girl, who still entrusted that Almighty God would not abandon her. At the age of sixteen she was married by her parents, to a young Genoese of noble family, named Giuliano Adorno, and although this step was contrary to her wishes, yet her great simplicity, submission, and reverence for her parents, gave her patience to endure it. But God, who in his goodness, would not leave his chosen one to place her affections on the world and the flesh, permitted a husband to be given her, entirely opposite of herself in his mode of life, who caused her so much suffering, that for ten years she could hardly support life, and by his imprudence she was at length reduced to poverty. The last five of these ten years she devoted to external affairs and feminine amusements, seeking solace for her hard life, as women are prone to do, in the diversions and vanities of the world, yet not to a sinful extent. And she did this, because during the first five years, she suffered inconsolably from sadness. This was constantly increased by the opposition of her husband's disposition to her own, which distressed her so much, that one day, it was the vigil of St. Benedict, having gone into the church of that saint, in her grief she exclaimed, Pray to God for me, O St. Benedict, that for three months he may keep me sick in bed. This she said almost in desperation, not knowing what to do, so great was her distress of mind. For during the three months before her conversion, she was overwhelmed with mental suffering, and filled with deep disgust for all things belonging to the world. Wherefore, she shunned the society of everyone. She was oppressed with a melancholy quite insupportable to herself, and took no interest in anything. But after these ten years she was called by God, and converted in a marvelous manner, as will appear hereafter. Chapter 2 The day following the feast of St. Benedict, Catherine, at the insistence of her sister, who was a nun, went to confession at the convent of the latter, although she had no desire to do so. But her sister said to her, At least go to obtain the blessing of our confessor, for he was indeed a holy man. The moment she knelt before him, she was wounded so forcibly with the love of God, and received so clear a revelation of her misery and faults, and of the goodness of God, that she had well nigh fallen to the ground. Overpowered by these emotions, and by her sense of the offenses she had committed against her dear Lord, she was so drawn away by her purified affections from the miseries of the world, that she became almost beside herself, and without ceasing, internally repented to herself, in the ardor of love. No more would, no more sin. And at that moment, if she had possessed a thousand worlds, she would have thrown them all away. Through the ardent flame of burning love, with which she was enkindled, her good God, by his grace, impressed instantly upon that soul, and infused into it, all perfection, purging it of all earthly affections, illuminating it with a divine light by which she was enabled to perceive with her interior eye, his goodness, and in a word, united her with himself, and changed and transformed her entirely, by the true union of a good will, inflaming her wholly with his burning love. The saint, while in the presence of her confessor, lost entirely all consciousness through this sweet wound of love, so that she could not speak. But her confessor was not yet aware of this when he chanced to be called out, 
and left her so overwhelmed with grief and love, that she said to him, with great difficulty, when he returned, With your consent, father, I will leave my confession till another time. And she did so. Returning home, she was so on fire and wounded with the love which God had interiorly manifested to her, together with the view of her miseries, that, as if beside herself, she went into a private chamber, and gave vent to her burning tears and sighs. At that moment she was instructed interiorly in prayer, but her lips could only utter, Oh, love, can it be that you have called me with so much love, and revealed to me at one view what no tongue can describe? For many days she could only utter herself in sighs, and wonderfully deep they were, and so great was her contrition for her offenses against such infinite goodness, that if she had not been miraculously supported, her heart would have broken, and she would have died. But when our Lord saw this soul still more interiorly inflamed with his love, and filled with sorrow for her sins, he appeared to her in spirit, with the cross upon his shoulder, dripping with blood which she saw was shed wholly for love, and this vision so inflamed her heart, that she was more than ever lost in love and grief. This vision made such an impression upon her, that she seemed always to see with her bodily eyes, her bleeding love, nailed to the cross. Very plainly, too, did she see all the offenses she had committed against him, and cried out continually, O oh, love, no more sin, no more sin. Her hatred of herself became so great, that filled with disgust she exclaimed, O oh, love, if it be necessary, I am prepared to make a public confession of my sins. After this she made a general confession with such contrition and compunction, that her soul was at once cleansed of its sins, for God had pardoned them all, consuming them in the flames of love, with which he had already wounded her heart. Yet, to satisfy justice, he led her through the way of satisfaction, permitting that this contrition and self-knowledge should continue for nearly fourteen months, and when she had made satisfaction, relieved her of the sight of her sins so entirely, that she never beheld again the least of them, no more than if they had all been cast into the depths of the sea. At that moment of her vocation, when she was wounded at the feet of her confessor, she seemed to be drawn to the feet of our Lord Jesus Christ, and in spirit beheld all the graces, means, and ways, by which the Lord, in his pure love, had brought her to conversion. In this light she remained for more than a year, relieving her conscience by means of contrition, confession, and satisfaction. She felt herself drawn with St. John, to rest on the bosom of her loving Lord, and there she discovered a sweeter way which contained in itself many secrets of the bounteous love which was consuming her, so that she was often beside herself. And in her intense eagerness, her hatred of self, and her deep contrition, she would lick the earth with her tongue, and so great was the wane of contrition, and the sweetness of love, that she knew not what she was doing. But she felt her heart lightened, occupied with unbounded, poignant grief, and sweet ardor of love. Thus she remained for three or more years, melted with love and grief, and with the deep and burning flames that were consuming her heart. Then she was drawn to the open wound in the side of the crucified Lord, and there she was allowed to see the sacred heart of her Lord, burning with the same flames with which her own was enkindled. At the side of this, 
her heart died within her, and her strength abandoned her. This impression remained for many years which were spent by her, in continual sighs and burning flames, so that her heart and soul were well nigh melted, and she was constrained to cry out, I have no longer either soul or heart, but my soul and my heart are those of my beloved. And in him she was wholly absorbed and transformed. Finally, her sweet and loving Lord drew her to himself, and bestowed upon her a caress, by the power of which she was entirely immersed in that sweet divinity, to which she abandoned herself exteriorly, so that she exclaimed, I live no longer, but Christ lives in me. She knew no longer whether her mere human acts were good or bad, but saw all things in God. End of chapters 1 and 2